Hello, I'm Mark and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast for researchers who want to be more productive and achieve real-world impacts from their research. This week I want to think with you about how you can use a policy seminar or some other kind of policy type event as an opportunity to establish relationships and build long-term pathways to impact. Now, uh, very often when you get an opportunity like this, you turn up, you uh, design maybe a policy brief to accompany your uh, your work, you give your presentation, and uh, and that's it, it's all over, and you're not even sure who turned up. There were people, uh, you didn't recognise most of them, um, maybe some of them were policymakers, maybe they weren't. Um, but what happened next? And if you want to ensure that you are investing your time wisely, then I would suggest it's important to understand uh, how you might be able to find out who is actually in the audience and incentivize them to stay in touch with you so you can start building relationships and making plans so that it's not just a drop in the ocean. Um, a nice idea while it lasted, but uh, you have the opportunity to follow up with people and increase the likelihood that your policy seminar actually has impact. Now, this is the second episode I'm putting out uh, this week, which is a bit of an unusual thing. Uh, that's uh, on the basis that uh, I've uh, done a, a two-part episode reading from a paper, which may not be everyone's cup of tea. Uh, and also, as I said um, in the episode I just put out, uh, I'm at the uh, the climate conference in Madrid this week, um, and uh, I was recording that from uh, from in the in the main hall. Uh, well, not in the hall, uh, kind of outside the hall. You could hear the hubbub, um, and I figured, yeah, maybe there's an opportunity for a, a wee bonus podcast episode uh, talking about policy stuff and uh, and something you might be able to learn from what I've learned. Uh, at this uh, at this conference, so this is my attempt to uh, to do that, and I'm hoping that after giving you my longest ever episode, I'm also going to give you my shortest one. So let's keep this short and sweet. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a worked example of what I've done in this conference, so you can see what I've done, but also I'll try and stand back from that and say what I've learned and why I've done this and give you some pointers on some kind of thing, some things that you can do as well. Uh, and the first thing is that, uh, as you'll be familiar with, uh, the approach that I take to impact is all about relationships. It's a relational, empathic approach. And so for me, at the very outset, this is not about turning up with what I want to talk about. It's making sure that I'm turning up with something that I know that the policy stakeholders I'm talking to actually want to hear about. Um, now, for me, this is about doing this on the basis of an invitation. Um, and uh, and the, the great thing here is where you're adding value to policy colleagues, then you get invitations. Um, so whether this is my UK work, uh, where I've been consistently adding value wherever I possibly can. I'm the person who then comes to mind when they need someone to join a committee. Or next month I'm going down and I'm doing some training for a particular DEFRA team on stakeholder engagement, for example. And I'm getting those invitations because I'm there, I'm kind of present um, and, uh, and, and in, people's, in people's minds. 
In this case, this has been about the same kind of thing, trying wherever possible to say yes to opportunities to generate impact for my colleagues in the United Nations, uh, in the Environment Programme, specifically in the Global Peatlands Initiative. Um, and, uh, and, and as a result of doing things that have value for them, because they've asked if I can do things and I've said yes and I've, I've generated those things, they then asked me to come and talk about that. Now, uh, in terms of the broad work I do on peatlands, I'm talking about a tiny, tiny sliver of what I actually do. But the message here is talk about whatever that tiny sliver is that is actually of interest to the policy stakeholders you're working with, rather than contextualizing it all with all the stuff that you care most deeply about that maybe they don't care about that much. Uh, so this is about long-term relationships, uh, and when you've got those long-term relationships, uh, then the opportunities arise, and now I can work with those people to really work out exactly what is going to resonate and, and help. Now, the, the, the first step that I went through, um, uh, sadly, after having arrived at Madrid, um, it wasn't the best of planning, but, uh, but hey, life is busy, uh, was to, to start drafting exactly what I was going to say. Um, and uh, and for me, the way that I would normally do this would be a mind map. Um, but I knew that there were just essentially three things that I'd been asked to talk about. Uh, and the problem that I got was I just couldn't work out any kind of sensible narrative that could connect the three things I'd been asked to talk about. And to make matters work worse, I'd been asked to talk within a, um, a, a session about South-South collaborations and learning. Uh, and actually, I'm from the North, the Global North. Um, so instantly, I've got a bit of a challenge here. So um, I, I, I kind of sat and uh, admittedly worried for, for some time um, and the mind mapping kind of thing just wasn't working for me. So I decided to try and kind of get some flow by writing this out in prose. And I thought, well, uh, I need to try and keep this really simple. So let's try and write this in the style of a press release. And if it works, then hey, I'll have a press release at the end of this as well. So my first draft talk was a press release. Here are three ideas, and then just trying out different ways of working a narrative that would connect those ideas until I'd got something that I felt hung together for the kind of audience that might read a press release. Now, the reality is it's very, very niche and pretty technical, and uh, I'm almost certain no newspaper will ever pick up on this, but hey, it's still maybe going to be useful for, um, <clears throat> for my university website. Uh, so the next step then for, for me was to go from the press release to some notes and some slides, um, and at this point to start thinking about uh, as I'm turning this into my talk, how can I start building in opportunities for longitudinal follow-up and engagement with my audience so that I'm not just informing people, I'm actually creating opportunities for deeper, bigger, longer-term impact. So uh, I've, uh, I've got two forms um, and I've got them printed out and embedded within my talk, uh, there's going to be uh, two pitches to my audience. On your seat, you will find two forms. The first form is an opportunity to join a working group that I'm leading. And um, if you join this working group, then this is what you might benefit. It's a funding working group. So the, 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 the sell is fairly quick and easy on that. If I want funding, maybe I'm going to join this working group. Great. And uh, I've made sure it's GDPR compliant. I'm asking them to add their, their names. Uh, 
uh, and their email address. And I'm asking them two questions as well. I'm asking them to identify national research funders who might uh, fund applied policy-relevant people research. And I'm asking them to tell me what their research questions are. Um, so it builds into a process I've already been doing with this working group. But they get to not just hear the results of our working group, but actually put in their own ideas to it as well uh, and be part of the process. The second one's a very similar thing. It's kind of working group. It's going to be a workshop next year. If you put your name down here, you will get an invitation to that workshop. And even if you don't want to come to the workshop, you'll get the, the opportunity to engage electronically in this process that you've been learning about. So again, yeah, we're presenting what we've done to date, but I'm trying to work out how I can give people opportunities now to feed into the next steps of that. And again, GDPR compliant, I've got the form with their name, their email address, and tear off the slip and leave it on your, on your seat as you go. Now we'll see how this goes. Um, uh, I'm doing this tomorrow, so I've yet to see uh, how many people will turn up, let alone uh, actually fill in a form and, and leave it behind. But uh, as part of the preparation for that, um, I like to write out my notes in full. I like to then try and memorise them as far as I can so that, yeah, I'm kind of reading through them, um, but I read it in a way that it doesn't look like I'm, I'm reading it out. That's the theory. And I can then uh, think about how I practice my intonation and my, my body language, my hand movements, etc. So I've been doing that tonight. Um, and one of the ways that, that I've been doing that is through the creation of, of a, a video. Um, so <clears throat> I did a couple of takes of doing an audio recording of myself. I listened to the first version of the audio version and thought, yeah, you know what, Mark, that's pretty flat, to be honest. Um, just listening back to myself, I thought I was putting some passion into this and some intonation, but yeah, it was pretty flat. So I did a second take on that, and I did this much more in a kind of a journalistic style, really thinking about how I put in, uh, intonation, emphasis into particular words, contrasting different parts of sentences, etc. Um, and so that's part of my kind of practice of, of how I want to deliver this um, in terms of how I speak. But whilst doing that, also thinking about some of the hand movements I might do and uh, things like that as well. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to get right was all of the timings on my slides. So uh, once I'd gotten this uh, in my audio recording, I was then able to uh, work with all of the, the transitions in my slides. So I've got various slides which have images which will then go to the next image and the next image and the next image. Um, so that as I'm speaking, there's lots of interest um, for the audience. And these are images which uh, back up what I'm saying. They illustrate what I'm saying. In some cases, they are <clears throat> images of the thing I'm talking about. In other cases, they're visual networks. Um, so I'm talking about um, a, uh, what was it? A, 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 a synthesizing evidence across multiple projects and sites. And I found an image, an aerial image of loads and loads of uh, circular and square fields from a satellite. And the, the image zooms in. And so I then changed the, uh, the wording to say, uh, this is about synthesizing um, from the patchwork of different studies and sites that are available to you. Uh, so I'm getting that, that visual metaphor working with the words that I've got based on what I found, what inspired me uh, as I was looking through different options for visual metaphors that might, uh, that might illustrate this quite abstract idea of, of evidence synthesis. Um, 
and and so now uh, when I press that button, I know that uh, the images will be going in the background. I don't need to worry about any of that stuff. Uh, I just need to focus on what I'm saying, saying that right. And I know and I can trust that the images will be uh, where they're meant to be at the right time. Um, <clears throat> Now, the added bonus of this <clears throat> is that I'm going to have uh, the video to be able to link to the bottom of my, of my press release, which will be on the university website. You can also put it onto social media. Um, and on the uh, on the website, uh, there's also going to be a link to the two forums as well. So people who are not actually here can hopefully also get involved in the process and I find out about their interests uh, as well and, uh, and get to build long-term pathways to impact um, with uh, even more people. That's, that's the theory. Uh, so to conclude, uh, that's what I've done. That's my worked example of uh, what I'm, in theory, going to do tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see if it all goes according to plan. Um, and uh, th there are, of course, other options. So you've heard me talking previously about a postcard to your future self. Just Google that and you'll get my guide on that if, you're, uh, if you want to find out more about that or look at my vlog. Uh, Sign-up sheets uh, are another thing, uh, but you have to have a think about, well, what is it that I'm going to get people to sign up for? Uh, and you put in that very prominently at the door, um, hopefully standing there and reminding people, would you like to sign up for this? But what is it that they're signing up for? Uh, if it's just my newsletter, well, yeah, I've got enough newsletters, thanks, and, and maybe I'll just uh, slide a little past you and, and ignore the, the sign-up sheet. But actually, um, maybe uh, I'm presenting some new research findings um, and they are in press, but they're not available yet. And so I'm telling you that if you uh, put your name on this uh, uh, on the sign-up sheet at the back, sheet at the back, I will email you with the paper as soon as it is available. You will be among the first people in the world to get that paper. And at the same time, I will ask you uh, how you have used what you learned today and if there's anything that I can do to help. And via email now, I'm getting the opportunity one-to-one -to, -one to send the paper. Oh yeah, I remember that. And ask the question, uh, how's it going? Have you applied any of this stuff? Is there something that I might be able to do to, uh, to help? Uh, final idea is uh, going old school on this, which is just old-fashioned networking. So quite often uh, you'll do a seminar and it'll be a lunchtime seminar and the normal uh, approach here is that you have lunch first and you get everyone into the, into the room uh, with lunch, that's the, the draw, and then um, you do your seminar and if people want they can eat while you're doing your seminar. Uh, and the suggestion here is that you make the tea and coffee come after the seminar. So tea and coffee or whatever it is, maybe it's an evening thing and it's al alcoholic drinks and orange juice. Uh, but you make sure that there is that very clear networking opportunity after the event. And now you've got time to go and find those people. Okay. Open the conversations, talk to them, find out, so what did you think of that? Uh, do you think you might be able to use it? Uh, what questions have you got? Um, and can I get your card? <laughs> and now, great, I'm writing on the back of the card. I talked to them about this, they were asking about that. Uh, and now I can follow up with them again, legitimately. They gave me their contact details. So, uh, a policy seminar, you think, great, fantastic opportunity, and then afterwards realise that you squandered your opportunity because you didn't build anything into that opportunity to enable you to find out who the people were and to be able to legitimately follow up with them. There are lots of options. My plea to you is do something, just anything, uh, to make sure that you don't lose that opportunity to get long-term impact.